Hello, Valley family. We are kicking off this brand new series, uh, really, really excited about, called Things Jesus Never Said. You know, there, sometimes there's these slogans or phrases, kind of pop Christian culture, that we, we throw out these statements sometimes when someone's going through difficulty or, uh, you know, facing a, a real big decision. And uh, although they're used a lot, they're actually not accurate they're actually not at all what Jesus said. So what we're doing is we're going to look at uh, some of the key, can I put it this way, red letter statements that Jesus made uh, that kind of confront some pop theology that many Christians have uh, that, that really will, will really run you off the tracks, run you off the road if you put your faith in them because Jesus never said them. And the first one that we're starting with uh, in this series is this. Jesus never said faith is a private matter. Jesus never said that. Faith is a private matter. A lot of Christians believe that. A lot of people in our nation uh, actually think that's the way it's supposed to be. But in fact, we're going to find some red letter, again, stuff that Jesus said today that really totally contradicts that completely confronts that and contradicts it. And I think really, uh, if we're going to kind of peel back the error of this statement that faith is a private matter, we have to ask ourselves the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Really, what does it mean to even be a follower of Jesus? Before we answer that question, man, I just want to give a big shout out to all of our Poughkeepsie Valley family. It was so great being with you guys last week. I love uh, Regal Cinemas and our Poughkeepsie campus there. It's so great to see the Valley family extended there. And also those of us, those of you that are joining us on our online campus as well. In fact, just this week, Susie was talking with a, a woman in our church uh, that because of some health issues has been unable to join us literally for well over a month, almost two months, two whole months. But she's been tracking right along with our online campus. That's why we provide it for those who can't make it, those who can't be here. And, and literally, we have hundreds, sometimes over 400 devices every single week logging on to our online campus. So we love you. Uh, welcome. And uh, we're so thrilled that you can join us in Poughkeepsie at Regal Cinemas and also through our online campus. So go ahead and open up your Valley app, and you'll be able to track right along with us uh, and, and fill in the blanks. I think this is going to be some information. You're probably going to want to look back on uh, some Bible truth that can really transform your lives and can help you share that with someone else as well through your Valley app. So what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Well, Jesus answered this question real clearly. Mark chapter 8, verse 27 through 38, I want to kind of unpack it uh, you know, and then we'll kind of apply it to our lives because we're going to find just in this passage alone, and there's a number of other places Jesus makes it clear, but just in this passage alone, Jesus says, uh, no, sorry, faith is not a private matter. That is not what it means to be a follower of mine, Jesus says. Look at what he says, Mark chapter 8, beginning in verse 27. Jesus and his disciples went into the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked them, who do people say that I am? He's curious, what's the buzz, what's the talk, you know, what are people saying about me? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. 
In Judaism at this time, in the culture, they actually believed many, uh, the idea of reincarnation had kind of seeped into Judaism at the time, biblical times, 2,000 years ago. It's not accurate. It's not what the teachings of the Old Testament are or the New Testament, but, but many have said that. So they're actually saying, well, maybe John the Baptist, he had been beheaded pretty recently. Maybe he, your reincarnation of John the Baptist or Elijah, uh, who was taken away in a chariot of fire. Uh, the Old Testament tells us he didn't suffer physical death, but God took him away in a chariot of fire or one of the prophets. And it goes on and it says, but what about you, Jesus asked them. Okay, that's what they think, and the idea is like, they're wrong. What do you think? He asked, who do you say I am? Then old Peter, who always opened his mouth and stuck his foot in it, Peter this time, who's so impulsive, we read throughout the Gospels and throughout the book of Acts, Peter this time actually gets it right. Peter answered, you are the Messiah. And at the time, he didn't even understand fully what that meant. The, the Messiah had been promised, and again, the understanding and Judaism at the time was the Messiah would be a deliverer who would come in, overthrow the Roman Empire, and establish a Messianic Davidic kingdom on the earth, reestablish the kingdom of David in Jerusalem. In other words, he was going to be a military conqueror who was going to kick the Romans out. That was the understanding of the Messiah at the time. That's why they missed Jesus, because that's really not what the biblical promise of the Messiah was. That was their man-made overlay of what the Messiah, who the Messiah was going to be. But Peter said, you are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Now, isn't that interesting? That would seem to, right there, okay, faith is a private matter. Don't tell anybody about Jesus. But that's not where it ends. It goes on and it says, He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, that's the elders of Judaism, the chief priests in Judaism, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He began to teach him, this really is the purpose. This is why I came. Not to overthrow Rome, but to overthrow sin. To conquer sin. To bring salvation and forgiveness. And this is what's going to happen. He said, don't tell anybody, but let me explain to you what's going to happen. What my life is going, what my mission is. He goes on and says, he spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Here goes old Peter again. Peter's like, there ain't no way I'm going to let this happen to you, Lord. I'm going to protect you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to defend you. I'm going to be the defender of the Messiah. He goes on and says, But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Now, now how many of you know, you kind of clear out church on a Sunday, you start calling people Satan. Jesus looked at Peter. Peter gets it right. You're the Messiah. And then like in the next breath, oh, by the way, Satan, get behind me. He calls Peter Satan. Easily offend people that way. I don't encourage this form of following Jesus, calling people Satan. 
Okay, that, that's, I don't think that's going to help you win friends and influence people and share the love of Jesus Christ. But Jesus was perfect when he did this. He says, get behind me, Satan, and watch this. This is so important. Don't miss this. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. See, Peter, when he said Messiah, it was his Messiah. I want you to do what I want you to do. I want you to do what I think needs to be done on this planet. I want you to be who I will tell you to be. So many people miss Jesus because of their human concerns instead of having the concerns of God. God, you do what I tell you to do, and I'll serve you. You, you, you go, you, 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 you let me boss you around, God, and I'll serve you. When in reality, if he does what you want all the time, what kind of God is he? What kind of God is he? Peter's rebuked by Jesus. Jesus says, you do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. In other words, let me put it this way. Peter, you have your own agenda. You know churches all over America are being destroyed today by people who have their own agenda, not the concerns of God. He says, you have your own concerns. You don't have the concerns of God. You have your own agenda. And that's why he calls him Satan. Why? Because Satan had his own agenda. Satan had his own agenda. He goes on and he says, this is, we're just, this is like a stream of consciousness, just, just, just all this passage that we're looking at here. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me. Now, this whole context here, now Jesus is going to explain what does it look like to follow him. Is faith a private matter? Is it a personal, private matter? And right here, Jesus is going to say, now I'm going to correct you. Peter, I'm, now I'm going to explain. It's not about having your own concerns. It's not about God fulfilling your agenda and your plan for your life. That's not what it means to be a follower. Does it really mean faith is a private matter? Now he's going to explain clearly and definitively, Jesus is going to say, this is what a follower of Jesus Christ, this is what a follower of mine, Jesus says. This is what it looks like. If anyone would come after me, watch this. Next slide. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Following Jesus means denying ourselves. It's not a private matter. It's a, it's a matter of denying ourselves, not being a secret agent for God. He must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And then he explains that even further so there's no guesswork in it. Not a gray area. Look at what he says. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. In other words, whoever loses their agenda, their personal preferences, puts down their pride and follows me and, and does my will, fulfill my plan for their life, the reason they're created, the reason they're on this planet, they'll find their lives. Listen, every single one of us is going to die. 
We, we might have dreams. We might have aspirations. We want to do this, do this, do all these things. Every one of us one day is going to die. And if we die and we have not fulfilled God's plan for our life, guess what? We lose. We lose. And that's what Jesus is saying. Everyone wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel, now that doesn't mean being a pastor. That's God's plan for my life. That's not God's plan for everyone's life. That's God's plan for my life. But when we lose our life for God's sake and for the gospel, in other words, God, not my will, yours be done. God, let your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven through my life. We gain it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What is it if we we accumulate all the riches, all the wealth, all the power, all the prestige, all, all the fame? That's not what God had for us. What do we gain? Nothing. We lose our soul. He doesn't stop talking. This is all red-letter stuff. If you have a red-letter version of the Bible that has Jesus' words in red. He goes on and he says, Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Doesn't sound like faith is a private matter, does it? He says, if you're ashamed of me, if you're just like, mm, you know, stay under the radar, don't let anybody know I'm a Christian, my faith is a private matter, you know, I'm not going to say anything about it or anything like that. Jesus says, if anyone's ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him also. When he comes, when he returns again, he's talking about his second coming here. When he returns, when he comes with his Father's glory, with his holy angels. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means being public, being open, being honest, being transparent about your faith. And it means denying ourselves and following after Jesus' plan for our life. In fact, you know, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all the Gospels. They're, they're all the story of Jesus' life from four different perspectives and, and kind of highlight different nuances uh, of things that he did, things that he said. It's real interesting in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. You'll see it in your notes there. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, uh, this same passage is kind of interesting. Luke, as he explains what Jesus said, he says, Then he said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, daily and follow me. In other words, it's not a one-time thing. It's a lifetime thing. Every single day that we deny ourselves, we take up our cross, and we follow Jesus every single day. I I love uh, Rick Warren, pastor of Saddleback Church, who wrote Purpose Driven Life and What on Earth Are You Here For? Uh, you know, just, just, it's like the number one best-selling Christian nonfiction book all time. Uh, and, and he actually uh, shared five stages of following Jesus. And I want to I share them with you right now in, in answer to this question. Because the reality is my faith, your faith, is not supposed to be a private matter. It's actually supposed to be very public. 
as we follow after Jesus. And Pastor Rick Warren came up with these five stages of following Jesus. I think they're excellent. And every one of us are somewhere on the scale. Every single one of us are somewhere on this scale of following Jesus. And so as we work our way through these, I, I just encourage you in your app, you know, make some notes at the bottom as, as well as God's speaking to you. As I'm talking, but God is speaking to you more specifically in your mind and in your thoughts. Just evaluate where are you on this scale of following Jesus Christ. Because I think it's just an excellent way to kind of evaluate where each and every one of us are. Five stages of following Jesus. First is, is the crowd. This is the come and see stage. We do a lot here at Valley uh, to, to really uh, just draw people in, give them an opportunity. The Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. We want to give them an opportunity to just experience the goodness of God. Sunday mornings, that's what Sunday morning is about. You know, so we have people every single week, even right now, in Poughkeepsie, Regal Cinemas, and we love you. We're so glad you're here. If you're just kind of kicking the tires, testing and seeing, maybe someone invited you to the beginning of this series, and, and we're so glad that you came. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and you're just kind of checking it out. You're part of the come and see crowd, part of the crowd, and we do a lot to reach people that are unchurched. That's really our focus, our main aim uh, as a church, is reaching those that don't know Christ. Reaching people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. That's the reason why you know, people ask sometimes why, why we don't advertise on Christian radio. Because we're not trying to reach Christians. We're not fishing at the aquarium. We're fishing in the ocean for fish. We're not trying to catch fish that have already been caught. That's why we don't, we don't do all those things. We're not trying to draw people from one church to another. I mean, sometimes people shift from a church to another, and that happens. That's kind of part uh, of church life sometimes. But, but we're, we're not fishing in the aquarium. Nobody fishes in the aquarium. I'm not supposed to. You fish in the ocean or in a lake or in a pond. That's the crowd. Sunday morning is about the crowd. And, and so even when I talk about theological things, I don't use big theological words to impress Christians or to confuse those that aren't Christians. I try to speak very plainly and simply so everyone can understand from 6th grade to 96, all the way up. That's about the crowd. And it's come and see. Come and see. Think about it. The first thing that Jesus did when he called his disciples together, think about Peter for just a minute. The first thing that, P that Jesus did for Peter, he didn't say, here is a theological statement. Do you accept it? If you accept it, you can be in a relationship with me. That's not what he did. You know what he did? <laughs> he filled his fishing net full of fish. The first thing that Jesus did for Peter, he said, he said come on, just follow me. Oh, and by the way, boom, your nets are full of fish. Because Peter was a fisherman. Filled his boat full of fish. Jesus being real practical, real down to earth. Maybe that's where you are. You're in the crowd right now. Just, just kind of tasting and figuring it all out. Second stage is the congregation. And the congregation is come and join. Come and join. Maybe you've been a part. Maybe you've been... In, watching online, and, and maybe you've been attending, you've attended a few services, you know, a valley and all, and maybe it's time to take the next step in following Jesus, and that's the become part of the congregation, join the church family. We, we have a, 
a bunch of ways that you can join our, our we have, uh, in fact, small groups that are launching in July. Every quarter now, we have different small groups that launch, and we have a full menu of small groups that are going to join, where you can better connect than just on a Sunday morning, because we believe life is better connected. Jesus had a small group. I'm in a small group. Uh, I've always been in a small group, always will be in a small group. People grow better in circles, not in rows. People grow better when they're sharing their life together. Life is better connected and so that's becoming part of the congregation, part of the, the Valley family, the congregation. Then there's a third step, and, and that's be committed. Be committed. And, and that is come and grow. Come and grow. How do you do that? Actually become a partner at Valley. Every Sunday we have growth track. 11 o'clock here in Hopewell, and we have in Poughkeepsie uh, as well. Growth track where you can learn what, it is, what are the essentials of what we believe uh, as a church family, doctrine. Also, you can find God's given you spiritual gifts and where they fit in and how God has unique, uniquely made you who you are and how you can use your gifts and your abilities to bring glory to Him and impact other people's lives as well. Be committed and to grow you know, it's just like anything in life, the more, the deeper the commitment, the more that you grow. If you're a committed student, guess what? You're going to learn. You're going to grow. You're a committed employee, guess what? You're going to grow in your job, in that role that you're in. If you're committed, make church a priority in your life, valley a priority over other things, you're going to grow. You're going to be different. And you know what? You join a, a group, you go through growth track, I guarantee you, you go all in and be committed, you will be different. This will be the greatest summer of your life if you take that step of being committed to really following Jesus Christ, reading your Bible every day, praying, making that a daily habit. Make Valley a priority, and I, I guarantee you, this will be the greatest summer of your life because you will grow spiritually being involved with, with all that we have to offer, all that's going on. First is the crowd, then the congregation, then the committed. And, and then the fourth stage is what we call the core. Come and serve. Come and serve. We have literally hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that make this engine move, <laughs> this valley train go. Come and serve. That, that's the next step. And, we, and we, we see those that serve on a regular basis in our church, through our church. That's the core of our church. Instead of on the sidelines spectating that they're in the game, they're on the field. They're making it happen. Come and serve. That, that, that's those that, that make that difference, take that step in spiritual growth where I'm not here just for myself. I'm here to help someone else help someone else along the way. You know, here in uh, Hopewell, it's real easy. We have a 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock service, and, and so you can come to one service and serve in the other. We call it sitting and serving. Those are our core people of our church. That's the way we see it. That's the core of the Valley family. Not just those that, that just come and leave, but those who come and serve. 
In Poughkeepsie, it's a little bit more difficult because we only have one service, but, but I, I know there are so many people that do that. They go and they serve, and then they go home and they watch on the online campus to stay, to keep track. I, I overheard, and she didn't even know I heard, I, I overheard a, a woman saying in Poughkeepsie last week, she was talking with someone, and she said, I'm so excited to be in the service today. She said, I haven't been in a service live in months because I serve every week with the kids. God bless you. I applaud you. You're serving Jesus. What a sacrifice. Amazing. I thank you. And you're making a difference. You're growing. You're the core. We call it the dream team, the Valley family. The dream team. Make the dreams come true that we would be a church where unchurched people would feel comfortable. That, that, that folks would feel comfortable to invite their friends and their loved ones and their neighbors and their coworkers. And they would come into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. The core says, I want to make a difference. Sit and serve, dream team. And then the fifth, the fifth stage, the crowd, come and see. The congregation, come and join. Committed, come and grow. The core, come and serve. And then there's a fifth one. The fifth stage is the commissioned come and die. Come and die. These are people, followers of Jesus, that see every opportunity of their life. It's not just about Sunday morning. Every opportunity that God gives them is an opportunity to prepare for the life to come to help other people, to show the love of Jesus, not just on a Sunday morning, but 365 days a year, seven days a week. That they, every single day they wake up, God, not my will, yours be done. Thy kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, through me. I die to myself. And I go. That's what it means to be commissioned. They see themselves as sent. Sent. The other six days. Not just on a Sunday to come, but go. That this, on a Sunday morning like this, this is just a locker room speech, if you will. And then we take the field to execute the game plan that Jesus has given to us. To be salt. To be light to show the love of Jesus Christ to all those that we come in contact with. That's the fifth stage. The fifth stage of following Jesus. So where are you? Every one of us is one of these stages. Every single one of us is in one of these stages of growth. And what I want to encourage you to do, especially as we, we're in the first week of June, we're starting off the summer, you know, June, July, August, really. Memorial Day is behind us. Summer in New York is pretty much bookend between Memorial Day and, and Labor Day. I, I want to encourage you to identify where you are on this scale. and Take that next step. And if you do, just take that next step. I promise you, this will be the greatest summer of your life. You know what's going to happen? If you take that next step, you're going to move from no commitment to total commitment. From no commitment to just kind of wishy-washy, checking, whatever, you know, if it's convenient, to total commitment. 
You're going to go from consumer to contributor. From just receive, receive, receive. No, I want to make an impact on other people. I want to help out. I want to I give from consumer to contributor. And you know what's going to happen in your relationship with Jesus Christ as you follow him all in? He's going to go from Savior to being your Lord. To being your Lord. That's what he wants to be. That's what he meant when he said, whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will gain eternal life. He's our Lord. And we follow after him. And our faith is not a private matter. You know, I, I'm, so, I'm so thankful. I've, you know what a pastor is, really? <laughs> I want to share with you uh, exciting news. Before I do that, it just, this is why I'm so excited about it. A pastor, another word for pastor is a shepherd. You know what a shepherd does? A shepherd shows the sheep the way to go. And I just did. I just did some great pastoral stuff right there. And showing you the next step to take. Identify where you are and take that next step this summer. Over the next 90 days. Take that next step. And you'll go from no commitment to total commitment. From consumer to contributor. From savior to Jesus is my Lord. And my faith is not a private matter at all. My faith, God means my faith to impact those around me. Just pretty amazing, as I said. We, we don't fish in the aquarium here at Valley. That's not why we're here. We're not here to just fill a church. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is to reach people that nobody's reaching. That's really our main goal, our main objective, to bring them into the family of God, a, a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, and watch them grow and then reach more and then reach more and reach more. That's what our mission is. That's the great commission, is to go and make disciples. Go and reach people. Just absolutely amazing as a result of that, what God does on just, in just a snapshot period of time. In just a minute, I want to share with you how many people have received Jesus Christ as their Savior for the first time just in the last 17 months, not 18 months because June's not over. Just since the beginning of 2018, how many people that have literally, I'm not saying this is not a guesstimate, this is actually taken this Connect card, filled it out with their information, and checked off, I am accepting Jesus Christ as my Savior today. Prayed and received Christ as their Savior. Begun a relationship with Christ. This isn't just a ballpark figure. This is literally people that verifiably, and we've reached out, we followed up with them. Many are attending on a regular basis, growing in the, those stages uh, of spiritual growth that we just looked at. Just since January of 2018, in the last 17 months, let's go ahead and put that number up. 236 decisions for Christ in the last 17 months. That is crazy, y'all. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead. Give God, give God the glory for that. 236 decisions for Christ. Let me just tell you how mind-blowing this is, folks. The average-sized church in America is 77 people. 
The average size church in America is 77 people. 236 decisions for Jesus Christ. Last year, and this statistic has been for almost over a decade now, last year, half the churches in America, not one decision for Jesus Christ. Not one. That's why I say we're not fishing in the aquarium. We're not, we're not throwing, casting you know, our hook in the aquarium. We're reaching people that no one is reaching. We're reaching people that are, don't have any relationship with Christ. 236 decisions for Christ in the last 17 months alone. Now, I want to talk to those 236 people right now. Because again, I, I want to... I want to help you as a pastor, show you the way, show you the next step. And I want to show you what the next step is. If you're one of those 236 people, or, or maybe you're just new to the, to the church, really, really new in your faith, what's the next step? The next step is baptism, water baptism. And we're going to have water baptism celebration tonight, this Sunday, tonight at 6 o'clock. In the New Testament, 27 times in the New Testament, there is water baptism that is recorded in the New Testament. 27 times. All 27 times. There is no exception. This. Every single instance is recorded. The individual makes a decision. They choose. They put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they follow Jesus' example. Jesus made the decision to be baptized. And so we follow what we call believer's baptism. Many Protestant churches celebrate believer's baptism, and that is it's a decision on the part of the individual first. I want to be baptized like Jesus. Where would you get an idea like that? 27 times in the New Testament, including Jesus himself, every single time. No one, mom and dad didn't make a decision for the child. The individual made a decision for themselves. And so we go back to the scripture, and if Jesus made that decision, we think every person should make that decision for themselves. We already have over 20 people that are going to be baptized this Sunday night, and I'm going to give you an opportunity, if you've not been baptized, that you would take, that make that decision as well to follow Jesus' example, that he was baptized, made the decision to be baptized in water, and also his commandment in Matthew 28 to his followers, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, the Bible puts it this way. Those who accepted his message, there's an acceptance that comes first, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. As awesome as that number is, 200, uh, what was it again? 236 decisions to follow after Jesus Christ. In the scripture, every single time after accepting the message, people are baptized. They make that decision to go public because baptism is all about going public with your faith in Jesus Christ because following Jesus is not a private matter. Faith is not a private matter. It's going public with your faith. And so there's three things about water baptism I want to just share with you really, really quickly here. And then I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe you need to change your schedule around so you can be baptized tonight. Because you're going to find this is not a small thing to God at all. This is a really important thing. And I want to invite the whole church family, 6 o'clock, to come out and celebrate. Let's celebrate with these, because this is a one-time event in the life of a Christian. There's no instance in Scripture where people are baptized more than once. Doesn't happen. 
We don't do that here. If, you've, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ and then you were baptized, you don't have to be baptized in our church because you were in a different church. It doesn't happen like that. You don't need to do that. It took. Maybe you don't understand, didn't understand it all as much as you do right now. It's okay. It took. It took. If you receive Christ first and then you made that decision, you accepted the message, and then you were baptized in water. Three things about baptism are really important. First of all, You need to be baptized to follow the example set by Jesus Christ. Jesus himself was baptized. In fact, baptism, you know what baptism is? Baptism is like a wedding ring. This is not why I'm married to Susie. August will be 29 years. I'm not married to her because I have a wedding ring. This is a symbol of my lifetime commitment to her. That's what water baptism is. It's like a wedding ring. This, is, doesn't, this isn't why we're in love, because I have a wedding ring. It's a symbol of that we are in love, that we love one another. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, the Bible says, follow my example as I follow Christ, the Apostle Paul said, that we're supposed to follow the example of Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, you know, there's some Bible, Bible verses. I, I'm not like a hellfire and brimstone preacher at all, but there's some passages in the Bible, they're just hard. <laughs> this is one of them. Look at what it says. First John chapter 2, verse 4. Someone may say, I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. I belong to Christ. But if he doesn't do what Christ tells him to, he's a liar. Gulp. If he picks and chooses, instead of doing what Christ tells him to, Uh, Bible said it, not me. <laughs> it's really important to follow the example of Christ. Here's the second thing, to demonstrate my changed life. To demonstrate my changed life. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, the Bible says, In baptism we show that we have been saved from death and doomed by the resurrection of Christ. Not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because we're being baptized, we are turning to God and asking him to cleanse our hearts from our sin. Demonstrates that our lives are being changed. You, you know, I've heard it put this way before in, 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 uh, in the Old Te- uh, not in the Old Testament, in biblical times when they would be baptized, you know what, they would have two different layers of clothing on. One would be all dirty and filthy and underneath the, 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 that one would be pure white. And they go down in the water, and, and unlike, we, we kind of put people back into the tank. We say buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. In biblical times, they would just simply go straight down. And when they were down, you know what, they, they would take off that outer layer of filth and dirt and let it just float down the river. And then they'd come up out of the water in a white robe. What a beautiful picture of baptism. The symbol of what's happening. What Jesus has done to demonstrate my life is being changed. I'm I'm changing my ways. Why? Because I'm going to follow Jesus. Here's the third thing, to declare my commitment publicly. That's what baptism is all about, to declare my commitment publicly. See, faith is not a private matter. It's like people who think that, that'd be like only wearing your wedding ring when you're at home. Only when I'm at home I wear my wedding ring. But, uh, hey, Suze, 
Friday night, uh, I- I'm going out. See ya. I'll tell you what, I came home one night without my wedding ring. There would be trouble in the Williamson house. And I just, oh, no, no, I just wear, I just wear it while we're at home so you see it. No, what is it? Wedding ring is public. Like, I'm taken. Sorry. This is taken. This belongs to, to Susie. To declare my commitment publicly. Water baptism is a public expression of my faith in Jesus Christ. I believe this is, this is the purest application of Jesus' words. Let's look at him again. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. I believe he's talking about water baptism. But whoever disowns me in front of others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Whoever thinks faith is a private matter doesn't understand what it means to follow me. Just doesn't understand And so if you have not been baptized, we've made preparations so you can literally sign up right now and come here to Hopewell at 4.30 today. Go through a very short class. As I said, we already have over 20. We have young people. In fact, a father texted me just the other day and said, hey, my seven-year-old out of the blue said, Daddy, I would like to be baptized like Jesus. And Dad said, is that okay? I was like, absolutely that's okay. Again, he's placed his faith in Jesus Christ and he is making the decision as a seven-year-old, I want to follow Jesus Christ. Absolutely. We have young, we have old, we have new believers in Jesus Christ, we have those that have been walking with him for a little while that just haven't done it yet. If you haven't, I encourage you, sign up and come back at 4.30 for this class. We'll give you a t-shirt, we'll give you all the details that you need, and we're gonna have a cake, we're gonna celebrate and all, and I wanna invite the whole church family, don't miss out on this. Don't miss out on this opportunity, as so many men, women, and young people are going public with their faith. They're saying, I am committed to Jesus Christ, I'm a follower of Christ, and I want everybody to know it. Because faith in Jesus is not a private matter. It's a public one. Take the next step. Take the next step. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you've just allowed us to see a map today, a a map of where to go from here, what what direction to go in. And Father, may we follow in the footsteps of, of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, for many of us making that choice of moving from the crowd to the congregation, from the congregation to the committed, from the committed to the core. And Lord, for some of us even from the core to the commissioned, that we would follow Jesus' commandment, that we would follow his example. For many of us, the next step and that we would be baptized in water, recognizing that our faith in you is no private matter at all, that, Lord, we want our friends and our family to know that we are following you with all of our heart, and we're going public with our love for you. In Jesus' name, amen.